Welcome to the Actual Fluency Podcast with Chris Broholm. This show will inspire, motivate, and teach you how to learn foreign languages the best way. On this show, you'll hear incredible stories from amazing language learners who've learned 5 to 10, even 30-plus languages, as well as industry experts who help shape modern language learning through innovation and research. As we dive into language learning methods, techniques, and apps, you'll quickly discover what works and what doesn't. This is the Actual Fluency Podcast, and this is Chris Broholm. This episode of the Actual Fluency Podcast is brought to you by Optilingo. You can learn over 18 languages with the guided immersion method. For your free lesson, just go to optilingo.com. That's O-P-T-I-L-I-N-G-O.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 176 of the Actual Fluency Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Maria Garcia Ortega, who is a Spanish teacher, and she focuses very much on getting the student to identify with the language and make it theirs, in, to use her words. So in this episode, we dive really into ways you can make students more interested in languages, more successful as well, but also how you as a language learner can use some of these principles to achieve greater success, more fluency, basically, by just making the language yours, basically um, customizing, personalizing, the learning you do and the results are going to go get so much better. Recording this from very sunny and warm Denmark at the moment, where I'm spending the summer on holiday. I hope everyone is doing really well in spite of everything that's going on. And uh, yeah, that's basically all there is to say this week. So enjoy this episode with Maria Garcia Ortega, and I will see you all in the next episode. Let me just press the button here. Mm-hmm. All right, that seems to be working. Uh, let me see. Audio level's okay. Am I yeah. coming through fine? Yeah, yeah, I hear you perfectly. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, Maria, welcome to the actual Fluency Podcast. It's so cool to have you here. And before we dive into all the deep stuff about methods mm-hmm. and how to learn languages, do you want to give the audience a little introduction to how you first got into foreign languages? What was your first encounter okay. with? Okay. Well, I started with languages um, when I was in school. Um, I started ling- learning English. So that was my first um, encounter with a foreign language. And I have to say it was a, a, quite a painful encounter <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't have great teachers. And and I think that is a common occurrence uh, for many of us um, language foreign languages was not something that was very valued or was taught well I think (laughs) so Mm -hmm. in my experience I really I started hating English now I love it so the the story changed but yeah that's that's my beginning with languages (laughs) not so good (laughs) so when did you get the your first Positive well, when I actually went into a, an English-speaking country and, and I saw that what I learned had nothing to do with reality. So that was, you know, kind of the reality check. It's like, okay, I've, I've spent seven, eight years <laughs> learning something and it is completely different. The people do not speak like these. And, um, but yeah, after that, I, I just fell in love with the potential that languages bring, the, the communication and the connection with others and, and uh, the beauty of just learning a language and understanding a culture and a way of thinking. And, and that was how all started. After English, I just couldn't start. I couldn't stop, sorry. I couldn't stop exploring other languages. Wow. So take us back. What what kind of a period in your life was this? And did you go to university with languages or did you do other uh, projects? Yeah, well, in university, I knew I wanted to do languages. Um, so I, I studied humanities, but um, in a variant that was applied languages. So that was when I started learning also French, 
and I could explore Chinese at the same time. Um, and also, I, that's the first time I, I spent a few months in, in England. And that's when I realized that languages are much more interesting than that, what I <laughs> felt in high school or school. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> but that's super cool. I mean, that's a, a big eye-opener to come to go abroad and have you stayed abroad for, for, for many years or did you go back and forth or how was that experience well, for you? Two months I spent um, abroad for the first time in England, as I said, um, opened the gate for me to a new world. <laughs> I, I fell in love mm -hmm. with languages, but I also fell in love with traveling. So obviously over my college years, I, I just... I stayed put, but right right after I finished uh, college, I started traveling, and um, I was a nomad for a few years. So I lived. I, I took my backpack with me and um, abandoned and sold all my belongings. <laughs> and wow! Spent I don't know how how long it was about five years I think around five years traveling um, nonstop. Uh, and then um, around 2016, I think it was, around that time, I just decided that I missed calling home, like finding a place to call home. Mm. And I wanted to, to, you know, settle down somewhere. And that place was Ireland. Wow, cool. So uh, you're in uh, the Republic of Ireland yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> very nice. I'm over in the UK, so just on the other mm -hmm. side. And um, yeah, traveling the world, that's something that I know a lot of the listeners are, are really keen on as well. You know, maybe not necessarily full-time nomad travel, but, but can you give it kind of a, how did you do that? Just kind of sell everything and did you just book a one-way ticket to somewhere and then went from there or did you plan it yeah. meticulously and, you know, stayed a few months in each place mm -hmm. or just so people can get an idea for, for because you, you, you said it in like one sentence, you know, I just traveled the world for five years. And when I hear that, you know, I'm not the most traveled person in the world. I'm like, wow, she just did that. Huh? Yeah. Well, what <laughs> happened was um, I, well, it is. It it wasn't obviously that easy, but um, I was traveling in a normal way. For like in a normal way, I mean, you move to a place and and take your things there and find a find a a work a job. Sorry, and I was working um, as a teacher in in Ireland for a while, and then I realized that I wanted to travel. That I wanted some freedom. Mm. some freedom so what I did was I started my own business I think it was back in 2011 um well I started my own business and you know I I created a website <laughs> and that was it um but at that same time what I knew I wanted to do was to travel and explore and be a little bit more free and I had savings from my my regular traditional way of teaching. I have always been a teacher, so but I was teaching in schools or teaching with adults in companies, you know, teaching languages um, in a traditional way. But because I wanted to travel, I, I decided that probably the best way was to try to do it online with Skype on my computer. So, yeah. Right. And, and um, because I had savings, I just decided to give it a go. I gave myself a, a year because that, that was probably what my savings I calculated would last if I didn't have any other income. Um, and bought a flight to India. <laughs> um, wow. And, and that was it. I, I am not a big planner, so that's not, I'm not very structured. So, yeah, I just had a, a, my, my one flight. <laughs> ticket and yeah and I spent a few months and then from there you know things started to go in a in a to, to go to be easy because I get in touch with other 
um, digital nomads who obviously were kind of sharing their secrets. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I started to float around. And I touched base in Spain a couple of times, you know, it wasn't, but I was still living out of my backpack. I didn't have, I wasn't paying, you know, as I didn't have a six month contract in any uh, rent in, in, in any place. I was just with my backpack going here and there for for few years. Whatever you felt like, yeah. whenever. Yeah. Well, mostly was um, following, with the exception of India, that was a place that I always wanted to go. Um, after that, it was just um, following people. You know, I, uh, there was someone I wanted to meet because I was reading his or her blog, and it's like, well. <laughs> I go wherever you are. <laughs> so <laughs> I meet you. And that was, so it wasn't complete. Yeah, I was just following people and, and a little bit um, following that. Yeah. That's a good idea. Good idea. Like uh, I let myself, uh, I follow the uh, the Polygard conference, you know, it changes yeah. every year where, where it's going. So I always, uh, I just follow that so I don't have to, think too much about it it brings me to new places that i might not have considered myself and there's always some people there i know so it's never too dangerous you know (laughs) it it, it is the same for me so i think um at some point i i stole i i was paralyzed when i was looking at the map of the world Mm. where do i go because it is so big. And, you can you know, and every country, every city is attractive. So for me, the, the way to make decisions was just, well, I, I am interested in this person. I really want to meet this other person. Or I want to go to this conference. Or I want to attend this event or this concert. So I go to this country. And because I am a slow traveler, what works for me is to stay in a place for a while. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. I, I stayed for a while. <laughs> that's nice. That's nice. And um, of course, uh, the languages, lots of different languages, I imagine. Did you, because you were staying such a short time, did you manage to learn any of the local language to use or did you skip that because you were traveling around um, a lot? No, I, I, tried, um, I tried to learn. I remember I, I still have uh, my not, notebook uh, with my my words in in Indian, <laughs> when I was just trying to, yeah. So every time that I spend probably over a month, and that's that's normal for me. I would spend six months to a year um, in a place. I would try to learn something. I remember when I was in Germany, I I started learning German. I cannot say mm. my German went very far, but. <laughs> I did start. So that was because they go together. I think that when you travel languages and, and obviously you're in a country where there is a language you don't speak, that's the way to connect with people. And that's the way to understand the place you are in. It's not only to talk to people. I think there is something in the, in the, in the place, in the land that goes before the people speaking, you know, it's, if you want to understand the place you're in and understand the people living in this place, you you need to understand the language because that's just a product of. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, of course, some places they might not speak other languages yeah. that you know, so it might be the only, <laughs> only way to communicate. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a very important yeah. one, of course, first and yeah. foremost. Fantastic. Well, I'm I'm really uh, I'm really excited to hear that, and I know that a lot of people, like I said, listen, are also interested in in uh, traveling. And obviously now it's it's a little bit difficult, but hopefully it will come back uh, at some point. Uh, but one of the things you said that I also wanted to talk a little bit about is the sort of career of languages. So you you study languages uh, in university, and you kind of decided that was going to be your career. And you said that you work with like uh, students in a school setting, and you also work with companies. You said, uh, "Can you share some of the kind of differences between the two?" In, in case somebody 
some young people out there listening who are going to university for, for languages right now, maybe they're thinking about becoming teachers in the future. Uh, what are the differences and what yeah. to expect? Maybe? Um, well, in my experience, I when I started um, teaching languages, um, I started in schools. So that for me, well, you have to follow the program. <laughs> Obviously, there is a curriculum mm. and there are exams that the students need to pass. So it is very strict. So it depends on, obviously, your personality and what works for you and, and what your experience were, was at school. Because teaching a language in school, it is, I find, very limited. So the teachers, um, they cannot really sometimes um, follow the students' needs because they have... Mm to complete a curriculum yeah so and they have to follow a textbook that has been decided probably not by the teachers themselves <laughs> so, <laughs> um but it, it, there's nothing bad with that i'm just talking from my experience and obviously for me i found that it was a bit soul crushing because i wanted to play more with my students and and um finding sometimes that some students were struggling and they were hating the language and I, I, I obviously didn't want that and I wanted to, to, <laughs> to make them fall in love with the languages um, but sometimes you feel limited so that's part of teaching in a school there is a lot of politics and, mm. and it is a strict setup that's what most people do isn't it when they when they become teachers that's the biggest place that most teachers go to teach in schools because they of need course. so many languages. And there's teachers. nothing wrong with that. You learn how to teach as well. You, you need practice, and that's a, a way mm. to to practice your teaching because uh, it's good because you have the support of other teachers that are there. And I remember I learned a lot from other teachers when I I started. I am a very shy person, and I am also an introvert. So when I put myself in front of the first time I put myself in front of a classroom of, I don't know, it was, it was a big classroom in France. I remember it was, I don't know, 20, 25 teenagers. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I, that was really hard <laughs> and it was hard for, for a few weeks. And I got a lot of really great advice from other teachers that I wouldn't have got if I was on my own teaching, obviously. So it is. it has pros and cons, and I believe that every person, um, every teacher is, is the perfect teacher in different environments. So there are perfect teachers for classrooms that I admire because they thrive and they make the students you know, fall in love with the subjects. Um, and yeah, so you obviously, if you are going to teach in a school, you need to like kids. <laughs> so that's, right. That's a big it one. is really important. <laughs> and in my case, I feel more comfortable with adults. And that's something that I learned because I was teaching in a school for a while. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have probably nice. learned. Um, so then I went to teach in school of languages that's for adults so I was teaching in companies so I would go um, to the to a company to teach the the workers the staff this is the actual fluency podcast with Chris Broham make sure to join the actual fluency email club by going to actualfluency.com slash join We'll be right back after these messages. A big shout out to Optilingo for sponsoring the Actual Fluency podcast here in 2020. Optilingo is a language learning app that features a method known as guided immersion to teach you over 18 languages at the time of recording this segment. And it focuses a lot about speaking and repeating and listening, of course, to get your pronunciation just right. It doesn't bother 
about grammar, it doesn't bother about long explanations of syntax or morphology or any kind of complicated concepts that kind of hold you back from speaking better. And um, you can get a free lesson right now if you go to optolingo.com. That's O-P-T-I-L-I-N-G-O.com, Optolingo. And uh, if you do decide to subscribe for the full version of each language, like I said, there are 18, there are more than 18 actually <laughs> available. Um, it's only five bucks a month. So it's extremely affordable as well for the for the full package. But I'm just really happy they are part of the podcast here in 2020. And it's run by my good friend, John T, who kind of stumbled upon the method that the app teaches when he was trying to learn his own heritage language of Circassian, of which there is a, uh, not a lot of uh, resources out there for so thank you so much to John T and Optolingo I hope you give it a try and uh, let's get back to the action you're listening to the actual fluency podcast and now back to Chris how do you find jobs like that is that through some kind of agency or do they put up jobs like this just in the open in my experience, there were school of languages. I, I, this part was when I was in Spain. So, um, yeah, um, there were school of languages that were hired by the companies. So it is rare that a company is going to hire individual teachers. They would go to probably a school of languages and that have a bunch of them. Right. <laughs> so, that's what yeah, I was thinking. And, yeah. and that was my case. So I would go, uh, my my teaching would be before the workers start working. So I would start teaching them at 7 a.m. So they were very, very motivated. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, that that's, that's a different situation. So um, that was better for me because I had more, more freedom to create my own my own curriculum to choose my own books and uh, and also because I was working with adults which is, which is better for me um, so yeah that was that was good yeah and did that um, was that uh, like a foreign company that had offices in different parts of the world or was it people that came into Spain, this example, from abroad who needs to learn Spanish to be better in well, the company. In, that, in those times, so I was teaching in Spain to companies. Um, I'm, I remember teaching um, L'Oreal. So I was teaching friend, mm-hmm. French for them. Yeah, because oh. uh, the people, so um, the, the, the workers obviously would need to travel to France or travel to English-speaking countries or travel to other countries. So the workers need to be able to communicate. So the company was providing the language training. So normally they, they were international companies in Spain because they needed their their staff to, to be able to communicate in, in their business trips. <laughs> so, right. so <laughs> it depends. Um, so I remember in those days... Um, in the morning, I would go, uh, it would be about, I don't know, 10 teachers going to the same company um, to teach different languages. We, ha- we have one of my colleagues who was a Chinese teacher, German, French, English. There will always be three or four English teachers because obviously English is the language everybody <laughs> needs to speak. But yeah, we would go all of, of course, us, yeah. um, the bunch of teachers with our languages and and that's yeah to the same company that was fun <laughs> did they in how was that you know with the uh, adults was that very successful because i feel like if i went out to uh, some of the companies that i've worked for sort of an office environment i'm not sure how successful yeah. it would be um you know yeah. How how did that? Work? It wasn't extremely successful. Okay, so what happened here was that though the, the staff they were paid well, the they were not paying for their lessons. It was provided by the company, right? Um, and so some of them obviously they were very motivated and and 
delighted to have this opportunity, but some others where they were doing it because they had to. And that is always the problem <laughs> with, with that kind of situation. So some of them, they were just sitting there trying to just wake up <laughs> over coffee Good and motivation. someone <laughs> speaking to you in a foreign language. So that's... At 7 a.m. So... <laughs> And also because obviously we, we would have to, to do exams or evaluation tests um, throughout the, the year. Um, but what happened there is that the company in a way put a lot of pressure on us teachers on always letting the student pass because it would look bad otherwise. This is not school, they get adults. And, you know, so there were some people who really took advantage of this opportunity but not always and it's understandable so yeah yeah well um i really want to get into more uh, specific language learning methods and ideas you've kind of gathered over the years but but first let's uh let's just quickly round off this uh language teacher career so can you let people know what you do today and how you've kind of used your teacher experience to get to where you are today? Yeah, well, um, as I said, in 2011, I created my website and I started to teach online. So that was also a learning curve for me to, to know how to do it online in front of a computer and finding my resources. And so that's what I do at the moment. I, I still work, well, now I focus obviously in Spanish because that's my best language. And um, I try to do it in a way that feels playful and that feels um, meaningful um, because that's what I experienced with my students and with myself that sometimes you learn a language as something that is out there, that is something you want to get to. But for me, always that, that felt quite strange. It's like, well, why is this, why am I seeing English, for example, as something that that's not mine, that's not mine to play with um, mm. with all these rules. And, and so for me, all these years of teaching have evolved into a very playful kind of thing. I, I want my students to have fun with the language, to lose a certain respect for the language. I know that may sound weird, but um, <laughs> I want the students... Not take it yeah, too seriously, to, maybe. Just to see the language as something that belongs to them. So if you decided to learn Spanish or French or whatever lang language you, you, you want to learn, it's for you to play with. You are allowed to, to write sentences that are grammatically incorrect, but there is a place for everything. Yeah. In the same way that a kid would learn making mistakes and making noises and there is a space, I think there is a place for play, for fun, for... Yeah. And, and I think that's a great way to really internalize a language because we are really good at learning languages in a very serious, structured way. But I think we are not as good as the other side of the coin, which is writing poetry creating songs um making noises and and playing with the language what creates emotion what makes you know what makes you believe the language or your what makes you understand that the language is for you is is yours to to do whatever you want with it but yeah but isn't that also part of the problem that in schools primarily the language that is taught is very much reading first base so you kind of learn vocabulary you learn grammatical rules and you, you learn how to read and you know you learn some pronunciation but the natural kind of dialogue and you know everyday speech is is really not practiced very much which is kind of like the you know the, the language you actually need first <laughs> so you can kind of make a lot of mistakes by let's say learning just a few phrases and then you will 
you will fix those mistakes as you go along and you'll get feedback and whereas if you just do the kind of school method the old school method you never get to a point where you can speak because you want to be perfect first which of course nobody is so <laughs> that's what i think anyway that the schools really create this kind of no speaking uh environment because you can't have 26 students speaking you know then you'd spend 10 hours doing one sentence you know yeah and also um but even with the speaking which i well i totally agree with what you said in schools there is no speaking i remember memorizing conversations like i don't know if you did that in school but i remember memorizing dialogues from a book to reproduce in front of my teacher Mm. that was my speaking practice which is obviously (laughs) anyway but no, we we didn't yeah. even do that. Honestly, I, I, we just read dialogue, so I don't think we ever memorized. Yeah, I remember memorizing. I, I remember that. memorizing a dialogue about an umbrella and raining. It was just <laughs> pointless and painful. Anyway, but even with the speaking, I think there is even currently the modern, the more modern um, teaching or learning learning methods. Focus a lot on speaking, which is great, but not everybody yeah. needs to speak from the very beginning. Yeah, there is a difference right. between extroverts and introverts. Because an introvert is going to, to not want to talk for a, for a while. <laughs> we yeah. need to internalize a little bit. We need to explore more. We need maybe to, to journal in the language first we need to feel yeah it, there is a difference i think i think that the um, education the well mainstream education but also the modern more modern met- methods are very focused on the extrovert people who are going to be happy to talk in a group from day one and even if they don't have a lot of words but an introvert is yeah. just it's not going to happen like that, that is painful. And that's when you create fear for some people. Some people feel traumatized. They, they want language, <laughs> yeah. but they feel that the way to get there is so painful and so unnatural that they feel a failure and they, they don't want to do it. And it is really hard. So there has to be alternatives. And that's what this is about, right? So I am not saying that everybody needs to journal in the target language. But I think that for some people, journaling is a way to find your own words and find your find what you want to say, that it is as important as speaking in a group. Right. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're definitely right about that. That there's a lot of advice online about oh just uh, you know go out and speak and you know, from day one and all these things. And I think it's it's quite beneficial. And I think as in, as an introverted, you know, the push to kind of get yourself a little bit out there and kind of push your limits is definitely mm-hmm. good. But I, but I think maybe the, um, the useful thing is uh, what some people talk about it. The, some people call it the silent yeah. period. Um, where you just take a good time to listen and kind of get some of the pronunciation down and you you don't try to speak or anything. You just, you just listen and, you know, just read. And, and, and I think that's beneficial for introverts for sure to get maybe a more fundamental understanding before jumping into that uh, conversation, which, you know, uh, whether it's difficult or not, which is uh, definitely true. It's also, in my opinion, the most, I mean, that's why I learn languages. You know, some people might learn to read. Some people might learn to watch uh, telenovelas or listen to music or whatever. People have their own reasons. For me, the, f- the first primary reason is, is communication. You know, being able to speak with a native speaker or another speaker, you know. Um, so I know if I get pushed to speak more, that's bringing me closer to my goal, even if it's uh, painful, you know. But I think there's a really good argument for, first of all, 
learning slowly. I think that's a good thing. And and like you say, you know, take that time, that extra time before diving into uh, the speaking part of it in in the beginning. Yeah, because not and and that's um, everyone. I think it is very important when someone starts learning a language what your reasons are and communication. Obviously, if your goal is to to communicate with more people, you need to talk. So you decide how you yeah. want to get there. And for some people, starting to talk from day one works perfectly and works wonders. And for some other people, it is really challenging. And it actually ends up creating um, a very, um, yeah, some sort of trauma. It adds nerves. And we know that when we are nervous, our words don't come to our mind. <laughs> so, right. Um, but also... Not everybody has the same goals for learning a language. So understanding what your goals are, it is at the base of, of the process. And for some people, maybe just... Um, I'm, I'm thinking about me learning Irish, and it's not for communication. I'm living in Ireland, but I know, like I don't know anybody or very few people who actually <laughs> speak in Irish. So why am I learning Irish? And it's not for communication. It is for connection. Right. Some intellectual pursuit, yeah, well, maybe. Not even for me. It's with I want to connect with the country I'm living in, and I also want to understand myself better. Because I don't know. I think that with every language we speak, we kind of unlock parts of ourselves, kind of mm -hmm. different personalities and different ways of expressing. So I, I am very curious to know my Irish side <laughs> you know <laughs> and so speaking or finding a speaking group in irish for me it's not something that no not at all for me is maybe reading poetry or listening to movies or what you know it's it's a different experience absolutely yeah well, that's, that's important, you know. That's like I said, it's it's really important to have the your goal. I mean, some people love yeah. to read and would like to read in other languages, and they don't really need the the speaking part of it. Um, or other people, they're like, I only need to speak. You know, the rest I don't really care about. So I think that's important when you get started. And like you say, today we have so many great methods and tools and apps and resources like the you know you can go on youtube and you can find materials in pretty much any yeah. language i'm sure um for free uh you know they're completely unheard of you know maybe just 15 20 years ago so we definitely have more opportunity than ever but maybe that's also a problem in and of itself a bit similar to when you were thinking about where to travel next you know you could learn, you could go anywhere and with the materials you know we could use any resource and courses and, and things. So maybe sometimes there's this kind of by, uh, paralyzation of too much choice. You know, There's too many ways totally. to study. Um, but uh, I, I think in that case, it's just important to limit your, uh, your method research. Just, uh, just get on with it, you know, pick something that you, you like to do. That's a big one because I hear a lot of people say, oh, how can I uh, how can I read more in my target language? And I ask people, well, how much do you read in your native language? And they say, well, I don't really read. I'm like, well, <laughs> why do you why do you think you're going to read in L2 if if you're not reading in L1? But but some some part somewhere along the way, we were brought up to think that studying is through books. You know, in school, it's all about the textbook, yeah. right? So when we're adults, it's like we, we expect that to kind of continue and reading reading books. It's just something we've heard, I guess. It's not necessarily yeah. good. It's not necessarily <laughs> bad either. I'm not yeah. saying that. Don't get me wrong. But for a lot of people who don't read, then that's, I would say it's crazy to think that you would read in another language. Like, yeah. But a lot of people yeah, think that and way. I, I, it is crazy. And I think there is a need to unlearn a little bit what we are when, what we are told we are told that learning language has to be like this 
and and mm-hmm. that's that's the steps you follow. Um, but I think that what is missing or what I find missing very often is is the people understanding, as you were saying, with the people who want to read books in in the target language, but then they don't do it in their native languages. That there is la- there is a lack of self knowledge. There is a step that I find that very often there is a step missing in. Um, there is not enough introspection, kind of understanding what you really like, the way you learn better, um, why you're doing the things you're doing, why do you want to learn a language, why do you want to learn 20 languages? So what is your goal? What's your your reason, your motivation? What What do you want to achieve? So I think that it is very important to to go to this introspection part and really understand your goals. You really understand who you are in your in your mother language, like in your native language, what kind of person you are, why you are that way, and then understand your goals. Why do you want to learn this language? What do you want to achieve? And also understanding how do I learn better? Like kind of questioning did I enjoy learning a language in school? Why I did, why I didn't, what worked for me, what didn't? And you go from there and then you then you find your method. Then it's, it's easier when you are presented with all these thousands of possibilities. <laughs> you look at, <laughs> and you, you start seeing your thread. Maybe for an introvert, you are going mm. to start seeing people who are teaching languages or giving advice on how to learn slowly this slow learning method or maybe some introspective method in which you are going to be more exploring about yourself through the language rather than talking in groups and but I think it is very important and I do feel that that's lacking I sometimes when I ask my students about this so why do you want to learn the language? The question is, well, I don't know because I know it sounds good. Mm. And that's fine, but is that enough reason for you to keep you through the hard times? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's the interesting. I don't yeah. think so, personally. I, I think that I think that you can have very, you know, very small quote unquote mm. reasons. Like just the desire to learn another language, I think can yeah. be enough, but you have to be very aware of it going into it that it is it is a long journey and it's a lot of work. Uh, so you're not just gonna you know learn it a weekend or something. And the more reasons you do have, and sometimes you can actually find them after as yeah. well. You know, you might find uh, find that once you've you might make really good friends with the teacher or you want to stay in touch with them or you go on holiday to the country and you really like it or there's some reason afterwards that you like, okay, this makes a lot of sense and kind of confirms to you that this is a good idea. But yeah, motivation is a big one because it's such a, yeah, it's such a long task to learn, you know, even languages that are very similar to one's own still takes hundreds and hundreds yeah. of hours to get, anywhere good at it's so it's a big job this for the way i understand this is it's like starting a relationship i see languages (laughs) as they were my partners like if i if i am committing to you (laughs) i know i'm going to be spending time like it is in a way is a lot it's a way of life yeah Absolutely. It's not, nothing to do uh, easily. But I will say you, you do get a lot of uh, benefits early on. It's not like you have to you know, be you spend five years before it's any good thing to come out. I think with the first first few words you learn, you already have a, a positive uh, result because then you can use those few words and you add a few more and you know the enjoyment grows with that. Uh, some people seem to think you have to learn the whole language first and then you start to enjoy it. But uh, no, I, that may be problematic, <laughs> and, and that's one of the the problems is that what I find with some students is um, that 
they want, they have a very clear goal that they want to achieve, but they don't really enjoy the process. And that's the problem. Right. But that can be fixed, though, or explored. Solutions can be, like, you can mix up the, the process in a way. Um, so it's better to have, it's better to have a bad process and good motivation than, uh, you know, a good process and, and no motivation because uh, the motivation will always trump the method, I feel like. If, if you want it bad enough, you'll make it happen no matter what. I agree, kind of, but not completely because... Um, if you have this goal, so you want to to be able to have conversations with people, that's that's your goal. But you don't enjoy learning the language in any like if if you don't enjoy learning, if you don't if you resent the time that you are giving up to the language, I think it is is quite painful. Like I think it is quite sad. Uh, well, that's my experience. At least, this what I feel is that the ling- uh, sometimes the language is perceived as something that is out there. Yeah, I want to get there very, really bad, and I'm going to to start studying every day. And you may get there, but process. But uh, can you? Like, but can't you find like? Um, different ways to learn or different materials or something that are more, you know, surely not every way to learn language will be painful for you. <laughs> Hopefully you can find some way of, uh, yeah. of learning that isn't painful. You know, that, because that's my mm-hmm. kind of problem with like the, the old school way of learning in, in classrooms and things is that it is very painful. So people don't generally get any results, but then a lot of the people that I have on the podcast they say that, oh, I, I was terrible at languages in school. I really hated it, didn't like it. And then when they're, you know, 18, 20, whatever, they have some kind of experience and then they realize that, wait a second, I didn't, I don't have to learn like in school. So it's actually, I can make it enjoyable. You know, I can make it, make it fun or more fun than, than, uh, you know, was. So I think that, there's definitely possibilities, but of course, you know, if you don't like any kind of learning, then it's a very uphill battle. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, of course, there is, there are possibilities. I guess, yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I tend to see it differently. I think that learning a language is, is understanding that the goal keeps moving, and yeah, that for sure, if you don't enjoy the process. That's it's it's going to be. There is a reason why. If uh, how is it possible to want to get to a point, but you don't want to go, you don't enjoy the path. Like that for me sounds really yeah. strange. I do understand, obviously, if you want to learn a language for whatever for whatever reason you you find you will find ways to do it if you have a strong will and um, you will get there. But that there, that goal. Is going to continue moving. A language is not static. So even if you are able to have a conversation, you either continue working and going through the process, or you lose what you have. So that goal yeah, it's, it's involves you continue a, a continue work. So mm, it's never yeah. easy. That's that's oh, for yeah. sure. That's enjoy that's one thing I will say. Or find a way to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. That's it. I mean, I see it kind of like, um, you know, like uh, fitness. You know, some people might say, okay, I, I really hate using the uh, the, the mm-hmm. treadmill, but I like I love biking, you know. Um, so you just don't yeah. go on the treadmill. But some people have this idea that, oh, it, I, to learn, I have to do things that are not fun. When you, you know, you have the, the, the variety or the options to, to yeah. make it fun. So these days, yes, totally. Uh, yeah, these days, yeah. I mean, we're spoiled for choice. Absolutely. We can, uh, there's so many different uh, tools and methods and sites and courses and books and, you know, that we can, can yeah. use to learn mm-hmm. with. So we are, we are so lucky right so now. We have everything. We 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, anyone listening, you know, definitely uh, be happy of uh, of the times we live in. But do you have any examples of uh, a way that your personal language learning method has evolved from from when you started kind of learning on uh, on your own to now? Yeah, it has. It has been evolving, and um, right now is what we consider a slow learning process. Um, and for me, what I need when I when I start when when I work on the language and learning the language is finding an emotional connection with it, and I get that through for me through poetry and through music. I I am a, a big fan, a big lover of poetry. So or or this kind of spoken word. So that is my entry point. Um, in the moment I decide I want to learn, in this case, Irish, because that's what I am working on at the moment, I start booking, looking for books. And at, because I am at the very, very, very early stages, I'm looking for bilingual books. And I could work with the same poem for for weeks because obviously I don't have enough vocabulary and I, I don't have enough grammar. So it is like a puzzle. I have my Irish version and I have the English version next to it and just try to <laughs> to understand what's going on. And it is like a like a puzzle. But that is my entry point because I need that emotional connection. Which that that's right. what works for me. And that's why once I know a little when I have a um a little bit a little bit more vocabulary and structures poetry is what i try to do and journaling because it gives me this flexibility of using the language in a way that is less rigid and mm-hmm. I, i i just enjoy that process obviously there are times where i feel i want to work a little bit on the grammar and then apply to to my journaling or apply to trying to write a poem but for me is is this is is a creative expression and it is an emotional connection so that's what i seek constantly mm-hmm. something deeper in a way yeah well it is, yeah for me is is what is what works and it is what i try to to implement also in my in my lessons and in my practice with my students that is obviously I, I love grammar and don't get me wrong I <laughs> adore <laughs> grammar with all my being but I think there is there is a space there is a time for everything and what I see that works better for me is to uh, to deep dive in a grammar topic completely even if I am a mm-hmm. beginner And some of the things are out of my depth. I, I don't get them, but I still like to, you know, be exposed to the entire thing, the entire topic, and then I absorb as much as I can. And that is that's something that makes me happy, like being exposed to the entire topic i am not a big fan of this dividing the language in stages because it feels quite weird i, I think it's helpful for the teachers <laughs> but, but as a student <laughs> i feel it is quite strange uh, um, i am just thinking about some grammar topics that they are divided in chunks you are not exposed yeah. to them until you have reached a certain level when i think that it could be and it is indeed interesting for some people to be exposed to the whole thing just read about it or watch several videos about it or whatever method you work works for you and get as much as you can and then revisit after a while like i i am um i think that my method if it if, if we have to describe it is not linear it's it's like a circular it's a spiral You just revisiting topics and go back to the same things over and over again and find that you are understanding more and more. 
But that sounds that sounds great. That's like uh, you know putting yourself into the subject matter and really diving diving deep and not uh, kind of the opposite would be you know learning uh, touristy phrases for instance that would be kind of the opposite yeah. as i see mm-hmm. it that's not that's really kind of a shallow way nothing against that that's that's a good method mm-hmm. if you just want to get to speak quickly um but so how does that reflect on your your teaching has that has the way you teach languages changed a lot over the years yeah, or it have has. you tried to okay <laughs> Tell well, me about I, uh, <laughs> now what, some of the things I am doing, along with um, what I was talking about, um, delving deep in a in a point in a in a topic, I have, for example, I have created, you know, these major topics for my students, which are always the subjunctive, Spanish subjunctive, um, mm. the difference between ser and estar, and the past tenses. Right, that those three things are always. The, the, the thing that my students keep asking me or keep asking me and it's like well I'm going to to do something with this so I created something that I called masterclass so where I laid out the entire let's say for example subjunctive I recorded I don't know how many videos um, and talked about the whole thing but I didn't go on explaining details. What I did was finding the logic behind that why why the subjunctive works in this way, why it exists in the Spanish speaking mentality, why we need it, why we use it, why why is it here? So I created uh, I don't know, I think it was a 20, 30 pages 30 pages pdf and the videos and then that was it that's the whole subjunctive that i presented to the students um i kind of told it a, a bit like a story and there were there were not rules there are no rules and bullet points i'm just explaining the the mindset the logic behind this topic and then different, like the students, depending on the level, I know because um, I asked them after they consumed the whole thing, um, what did they, have, well, the feedback, how, how, how it worked for, for them. And what I saw is that all of them, they got the point. They understood that there was no, there, there were no, um, rules they memorized about the subjunctive they just understood what the reason behind using the subjunctive is and that doesn't mean that they can always use it correctly obviously not because that's practice and that's that's the second part first you understand why it's happening and then you put it in practice and then that takes time and that's a slow process but i know that um, even for the very beginners, that they they were scared. They were thinking, "But I am an A two. I am not supposed to be learning subjunctive." And I said, "Well, let's, let's give it a try. Let's uh, see what happens." They got it because why wouldn't they? Like they, they understood <laughs> right. why subjunctive exists, and what happens is that they start using it in their simple sentences because, of course, they still have a beginner level. They don't have a a huge amount of vocabulary. But they start using it, and it makes sense to them. And I know that some of them, over time, they have revisited the course, and they have done it again, and they are understanding deeply, more deeply, with each time that they do the course. And I obviously give them opportunity to, to practice my Practice is always a lot around um, journaling because I like that. So I, <laughs> I, I like to, to create, you know, these questions that are going to prompt um, the use of this certain grammar topic, in this case, Jungle, for example, and to creative writing with them. And um, that's, that's what I do. That's my, that's my way because I like to bring, as I said, the emotion to the language because i think that when you bring emotion that stays with you you remember that 
Yeah, you learn better that way if you're engaged with the yeah, materials that way. Yeah, you bring, you make it personal. You make it. You are actually, if if you are journaling about a topic or about a topic, if you are journaling about your life and and you are using a topic, grammar topic, um, that stays with you. Like that, that, there is something very sweet for for your brain. I think when when you are combining the emotion and memory and life experience to to the you know the structures the grammar the grammar is nothing like grammar is just a tool for you to express so as long as you are right. expressing <laughs> that, that's going to stay with you in a way so yeah yeah well there are also some personality types that really like to dig into stuff like that you know really uh, kind of nerd it out a bit you know not to uh not to put a negative on it or anything it, it, in the most positive way positive possible you know you sit down you kind of go deep in the material even though like you say they might not really find much use for it yet <laughs> because you're probably not making too many subjunctive uh, sentences if you're uh, just starting to learn the language but down the line it will become apparent and, and useful at a later stage so I think that's that's really cool, but I guess the fundamental, if if any potential teachers out there as well, it's you know do something you're passionate about yourself because you're kind of the best, you're kind of the best advertiser of your own method. Yeah. And the other thing is ad- adjust it to the student. So uh, if the student loves uh, is introverted, extroverted, or other things, um, you know you can adapted to to their needs right yeah well i yeah um but it is what as we were saying um before there are so many things available that i don't think that a a teacher needs to adapt to the student it's just that there is a perfect teacher for each student (laughs) at this point Mm, in my case i know i am a better teacher for a student who who likes and is comfortable with introspection, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that I I connect less with a student who who wants to talk about politics or who wants to talk about the to talk about the news, but not about themselves. I feel uncomfortable and I can create conversation. And obviously, I have been teaching uh, like that before. But there is there is a disconnection. So what I've done is mm. for these students, I can recommend teachers who are perfect for you. But I am perfect for a student who is who is comfortable with poetry, who enjoys reading poetry, or who enjoys um, introspection, basically. <laughs> so right, I um I can adapt. Well, that's good. But do I need? And is it the best for both of for both parts? If I do, I don't know. Right. There's yeah. so many if teachers. Someone is perfect <laughs> and it is super passionate about talking about certain topics, we'll go with that person. You know? Right. Yeah, well that's it sounds like good advice. I mean, if you go on online you can certainly find tons and tons of teachers. So you don't. You should never have to uh, have one that doesn't really. Yeah, you have community. I think that, and with social media, kind of, you, you know, you get to know the person, right? So, so you know, yeah, or their yeah, the way, or the way they video. the way they talk and what they talk about, and so my job as a teacher is to talk about what I do and the way I do it, and um as much as I can. So for any student out there who feels, oh, I, uh, well, I, 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 I write poetry in my native language. I would like to see how it goes mm. to do that in Spanish or what, I, what my voice is um, in, in another language. Well, then I am your girl. <laughs> but so that's, that, perfect, and, and yeah. that's the beauty of social media, right? You, you get to know the person and, and you see and you feel how that person talks to your heart. So it is, for me, I think that the key is that it's not a rational decision made with your intellect. Sometimes it's, it's a hard decision. You kind of, 
get a vibe of the person and it's like, oh, I, I really connect with with this person. I know I know I like the way this person expresses and what she says and so that probably is a good teacher, it's a good fit. <laughs> Perfect. Well thank you so much and, and, and thank you for sharing your philosophies and, and experiences with languages. Um, just a final question uh where can people find out more about you or maybe get that uh, work on uh on the subjunctive <laughs> i'm sure that people out there listening are like oh I w- i've been struggling with this subjunctive for a long time so uh, so let people know where they can find you well i am uh, my my website is um my full name so maria ortega garcia.com and i am also in instagram under the same name maria Ortega.garcia and and that's that's those are my two favorite platforms so everything is in there perfect well i'll make sure that's in the description of the episode if you're listening on a in a podcast player and you can also check it on the website actualfunzi.com where you'll also be able to see uh these links and any other links that uh, we talked about so Thank you so much, Maria. Really enjoyed the conversation today. I hope people got some inspiration to travel the world and teach languages and, and of course, learn languages. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Pleasure. Oh, my. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This episode was brought to you by Optilingo. Learn over 18 languages through guided immersion by going to www.optilingo.com. That's O-P-T-I-L-I-N-G-O. Thanks for listening to the Actual Fluency Podcast with Chris Broholm. To get more language learning tips, strategies, and inspiration, join the Actual Fluency email club by going to actualfluency.com slash join. We hope you enjoyed the show and hope you've gotten some useful information. Till next time, this is the Actual Fluency Podcast, signing off.